Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson, and thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Right now, I would like to welcome John Brankus to the NutraCast. He is the producer and host of Sports Science, six-time Emmy winner, best-selling author, and the host of the Brink of Midnight podcast. Thanks for making time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I just mentioned your show. Where did you come up with the idea to combine sports with science? Yeah, so I had a production company for a very long time that had two different divisions, a sports division and a science division. We did all the programming for the Washington Wizards, Washington Capitals, uh, the Rams, the Rangers, Coyotes, tons of professional teams. At the same time, we were doing a lot of work with uh, science channels, at a, especially out of the D.C. market, National Geographic, Discovery Channel, the Science Channel. And we literally put those two things together in a program called XMA, Extreme Martial Arts. It really looked at the biomechanics of the greatest martial artists on the planet. Tom Cruise did the rap board. It was, that was so successful. We then did a show for National Geographic. Uh, that was called Fight Science, where we brought the world's greatest martial artists into a lab to punch and kick the crap out of a crash test dummy to see what dial generated the most amount of force. That was so successful, that was top 10 of all time for Geographic, that Fox, that is the parent company for National Geographic, asked us, what else do you have? And we had a show called Sports Science, where we built the ultimate lab, um, invited the world's greatest athletes, and put them to the ultimate test. So that ran for you know, 1,800 episodes, and we won six Emmys, you know, really made a, a dent in the uh, sports universe, and especially the human performance space. Yeah, I imagine it was really entertaining. You know, one industry that combines sports with science is sports nutrition, as I'm sure you know. What are your thoughts on the supplement industry right now? You know, I think the supplement industry um, is, it's an exciting space. There's a lot of snake oil that's out there, um, there's also a lot of stuff that can do quite a bit of good. Um, I think that what we're seeing is a, a, a consumer who is interested in stuff that's more all natural, you know, nothing fake, nothing artificial. Um, and we as a culture are being made aware of the damages, um, you know, that high sugar drinks and high sugar foods and stuff that's just hard to process and for your body to do something with um, can really be a detriment to your life. So I, I think that it's an exciting space in that even though it's it, there's probably more than you know more than we could handle and more that we can uh, more than we can understand it at least is bringing to the front uh, the idea that there are things that are better for you than not and those choices really do affect not only short term games but you know long term Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned the snake oil, and there are a few bad apples out there making a bad name for the industry, especially, I think, in terms of research. How do you distinguish real science from puffery? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been doing this for a really long time. You know, when you look at measurables, you know, the Fitbit or, you know, any kind of um, device that's measuring human performance, you really have to understand the algorithms that are being used. So, you know, the Fitbit obviously can be cheated in many different ways. And it's really just, you know, an accelerometer and gyroscope that's calculating movement. You know, not everybody's, you know, gait is the same and you can certainly trick the device. And there, there are a lot of people who just don't understand that it's just fundamentally an algorithm. It's not uh, something that's incredibly accurate. If you take that mentality and apply it to the supplement industry, there are a lot of things where, 
sort of the underlying premise seems like it would be, it, it sounds good, but what is it really doing? What is the body really doing with it once it's in the body? How is it being absorbed? How is it being processed? Um, you can you can get to the bottom of it, and it certainly is. I, I certainly have a very high filter for understanding that a lot of the claims that are being made um, just simply aren't true. If it just sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And to our job, you know, not only as people who are in the business to sort of communicate uh, better choices, but it's also our job um, to lead by example and and to really sort of live a life that is healthy and fruitful and, and that people could um, hopefully gravitate toward. Right, right. From an athlete standpoint, college, pro, whatever, do you think they have enough of an understanding of what they should be taking? That's a great question. Um, you know, as currently constructed, there are a lot of PED ramifications, um, a lot of supplements that um, show false positives because um, they're in your bloodstream. So there's a lot of education that needs to be done on uh, what supplements enter your body. Um, but, you know, particularly at the um, NCAA level and going into uh, the professional ranks. Really, they're, they're, in terms of pure supplements, there is not a one-size-fits-all other than, look, minimize the amount of sugar and, you know, amount of, amount of ingredients that are difficult for the body to process. Just minimize that idea, um, and that's going to really get you, you know, that's going to go a long way. Steering clear of anything that could potentially be um, suspect, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about creatine for whatever reason has had this comeback. And, you know, I'm very leery of creatine and the, um, you know, your the amount of water that you end up retaining. I think people don't understand the inherent risk. Creatine is something that it works because it makes you certainly look like you've, you, you know, your muscles have gotten stronger, but you're really just retaining water and it's sort of shaping the muscles that you do have in it. Um, in the long term, it's definitely not something that's good for you. And that's a good example of something that um, I think people should be very leery of because while it seemingly may work, I think it could be doing long-term damage for certain. Right. You know, another struggle that comes with performance is recovery. And I know you spent a lot of years studying athletes. What trends are you seeing with recovery in terms of ingredients? And also what products are you seeing for staying hydrated? As you mentioned, not enough people are staying hydrated. Yeah, you know the the key on hydration, um, the the key on the key on hydration and performance is to have as little have as little as possible that your body has a difficult time processing. That's really the key. You know, sort of when we saw this explosion of Gatorade on the scene, I I actually you know was very young. I was you know I, I was in my early twenties and I did my first Ironman triathlon, and trying to ingest Gatorade while you're really doing something that takes, you know, 12 plus hours to compete in, um, like an Ironman, it, you know, you very quickly realize that there, there's just so much you have to process. It actually is a net negative to your body um, to achieve ultimate performance. It may be, you know, it may make you feel good during the day and during um, a short amount of time, but it's just so packed with sugar um, in artificial ingredients that it's just hard for the body to process. And people don't understand that it just takes a lot of energy um, to do that. And in terms of hydration, there's have as little as possible in the drink and also have something, um, you know, have a drink that you like, that tastes good, that, um, that, you, that you as an individual crave, that it's not something that, um, you know, a Coke or something where um, it, it's, you have sort of a desire for other reasons other than like it tastes good. You know, I'm working with a company called Killcliff that has an all-natural 
um, alternative, nothing fake, nothing artificial, no sugar, you know, great tasting. Um, you know, we have a drink that really helps in the recovery division uh, or, or sector of the market. We have a drink that, you know, really helps in sort of the energy market that is a really healthy alternative to something like Red Bull or Monster that's just, you know, full of just, you know, sugar, caffeine, you know, things that are very difficult to process. Um, so it's, it, it's interesting that you as a consumer need to be able to educate yourself and to make good decisions. And really, it's about finding those, those drinks that are easily absorbed. And it is up to the consumer in a lot of ways. And do you feel like they are becoming more savvy? I think they are becoming more savvy. Um, I, I think that, you know, the work that I've done with sports science and in the human performance space, I, I think has, has opened people's eyes in terms of, you know, what humans are capable of doing. Now it's a matter of realizing the fuel that you're putting into the engine, you know, for everyday living and, and for living a great life, it, it, it is important to constantly be educating yourself. Um, so I definitely challenge people to, you know, read what's on, read, read what you're putting into your body, figure out what your body is trying to process. A drink like Kill Cliff that, I, that I'm working with is something where you look at the can and you say to yourself, wow, my body really isn't working hard at all to absorb this and it tastes great and it's a functional beverage. That's a, that's a very educated choice that a consumer can end up making. And I think that what you're going to see are consumers becoming more educated and more conscious of it because I think we're living in a time where information is able to um, get to the masses easier fashion than it has in the past. And I think it's becoming top of mind um, of everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And speaking of getting information to the masses, I saw you on TEDx and you spoke a lot about gender equality. Uh, you said boys and girls should play sports together. And you had a lot of fun examples about darts and golf and tennis. You have a daughter. Did she influence your opinion on how you approach females in sport? Uh, t- absolutely. I am the biggest proponent of, look, girls, the way that we've been messaging girls um, from the word go has just been doing them a tremendous disservice. If you uh, listen to sort of the TED talk that I delivered, it, it's interesting how, just think about it. If you're a little girl in, in this country and you're looking up to your role models at the professional level, what you see in the sport of golf is there's a ladies tee and it's 50 yards closer than the men's tee. So clearly golf is messaging to our girls, you can't hit a ball that far. When that's completely not true, there is no inherent disadvantage for female to hit a, a golf ball versus a, ma- a male athlete hitting a golf ball. There's no inherent disadvantage. All about kinetic linking, transferring energy from the ground through your body. The world record currently for a man uh, in the long drive competition is 415 yards. And for a woman, it's 405 yards. I would call that negligible. And I certainly wouldn't want to be you know, uh, having, uh, you know, a professional long drive female golfer teeing off from the ladies tee. I mean, it's just insulting to even say that, I mean, you know, who are the better athletes, a man or a woman? I mean, obviously the strongest man is always going to be stronger than the strongest woman. That doesn't make a man a better athlete because being bigger, stronger, and faster isn't necessarily the benchmark for a great athlete. If you look at somebody like Diana Nyad, she swam from Cuba, Florida, is the only human being in human history to do this. And she was 63. That is an amazing accomplishment. Is she a better athlete than LeBron James? 
I mean, I would argue, look, it's, we need to not, not single out who's better, who's the better athlete just as a blanket statement. I think that we can confidently say, look, men and women are better at different aspects. Women are better at endurance athlete, at endurance sports. Men are better at short bursts, fast twitch sports. And anything that involves kinetic linking, they're pretty much equal. I mean, that's just the truth. So I think that if we are addressing that message to the youth and, and embracing the differences between a man and a woman, we can say, look, sometimes women are better in sports because they're built, uh, they're, they're built in a different way that allows them to, for example, burn fat at a, at a more efficient rate in endurance sports. And, you know, a, a man has a higher percentage of muscle, has a greater amount of muscle mass. That's fine. That doesn't mean one is better than the other. It means that they're um, better suited for a particular activity. That's a much more powerful message than telling a girl you're just never going to be as good as, as a man when you grow up because that is just not true. Right. And that goes back to your background, combining science and sports. And speaking of that, when it comes to, say, sports supplements, how do you approach females versus males differently? It's interesting because in terms of what supplements are going to work better, there really is, there is a genetic makeup of each of us and really the correct supplements that we can take. There is a place in the market for supplements to help each of us, but it really does boil down to an individual basis. There's not going to be a one size fits all answer um, to a supplement. There's not going to be, you know, take vitamin C and zinc and you're fine. It's not like that's the answer for everybody. So it's really understanding your own individual makeup and understanding what you as a human being are lacking. And in terms of diet, you know, there are all kinds of these, these diet fads going around right now. And the answer of is paleo, you know, is it keto? What's the right answer? I really fall firmly in the camp of all of these diets, sort of, you need to follow common sense. You need to know you can't live on cotton candy. That's not a legit diet. You know, we need to be eating whole, good, natural foods and exercising. And I think any combination thereof, your body is going to adapt to it. Um, there, there's a, a documentary out, obviously, that's all the rage of Game Changers. And while the science in Game Changers seems compelling, I can, you know, show you 10 other movies and, you know, 10 other great studies that, that will say the opposite, that will say, you know, uh, you know, a caveman diet is better than, you know, than a plant-based diet. It, it, it really, and I fall in the camp of, look, can't they all be correct if, you know, can't they all have some truth to them? Um, I don't think there has to be one totally great answer. I think there could be a lot of really good ones. I mean, there really isn't a one-size-fits-all, and there are so many diets out there. I think people are just at this point where they are overwhelmed with all the choices. Yeah, Totally. And that's, the, that's where you want to find products, um, you know, in my, in sort of my line of work, being able to, you know, hook up with products you can believe in that kind of do have a universal truth in terms of, look, this product is good for you. You know, it's a, it's good for you, uh, you no matter who you are. You know, I'm a big fan of, um, big fan of, of uh, you know, sort of the, you know, you know, pure products, pure drinks, um, things that have far fewer additives. Um, that's how I, that's how I've lived my entire life. And, you know, so finding those products, I think, is really key. And that's what you're doing right now. Uh, what else do you have going on in your life? Yeah, you know, I've been incredibly fortunate. You know, sports science has, you know, brought a lot of great opportunities. I'm working um, 
with Intel and they're, uh, we're, we're developing new alternative reality projects in the human performance space. Um, I, you know, working with the UFC, doing a lot of work, um, analyzing fighters, their uh, male fighters and female fighters. And again, you know, finding out just some incredible findings on, you know, how not only unbelievable MMA athletes are, but, you know, how the, these women who are professional fighters, they are not at an inherent disadvantage in terms of generating force with their punches versus a man in their same weight class. It's, you know, it's really amazing. You know, like I mentioned before, there's a, a, a great drink product called Kill Cliff, and they just make an incredible all-natural beverage. Um, and I feel really honored to have teamed up with them. Um, they do a lot of work with uh, Navy SEALs, you know, an all-natural alternative to something like Red Bull and Monster. It really is something that can help everyone out, not just the elite athlete. You know, I'm also, you know, doing quite a bit of work. Um, I'm going to be doing some work with Toyota um, with the Olympics. Um, I'll be over in Tokyo and really looking at the highest level of human performance from around the world. So I, I'm incredibly blessed to be able to be involved with um, some incredible companies and really to be have a front row seat at Human Greatness. So I feel incredibly honored uh, to be in this position. John, we look forward to hearing about your insights and research and all your upcoming endeavors. Thank you so much for joining us here on the NutraCast today. It was a pleasure having you on. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Love what you're doing. So keep on doing it. That wraps up this episode. I do want to remind you of an event that is coming up called Probiota Americas. It will bring together professionals from across the globe to network, connect, engage, and learn about microbiota, nutrition trends, and other hot topics in the industry. Join us as we connect the business and science of the microbiome. That's May 27th through 29th in Washington, D.C. You can find out more by visiting probiotaamericas.com. And for more Nutra-related content, you can also always visit NutriIngredients-USA.com. As always, thank you for joining me. I'm Danielle Masterson, and I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.